0: Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and Kevin Feige, or so they say, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have been dreaming up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Brian Gon, and I are recording on Wednesday night, September 20th, and... Brian and I are recording just before midnight Los Angeles time, which is when the first three episodes of Star Wars Andor drops. I'm not getting any sleep tonight, am I? (laughs) No, you're not. But I think you're actually looking forward to this. You were just reading all of the rapturous reviews for- Yeah,
1: everything from from Variety to the New York Times to Deadline, everybody is- is giving it like rave reviews, mm-hmm. uh, but they're they're really focusing on the part that it's different than anything Disney's ever done, mm. especially for Disney Plus.
0: I keep hearing moving Star Wars in a more adult direction, which seems somewhat controversial. But anyway, we're going to talk about those episodes after we viewed those episodes. But now in the first half of the show, the news portion, Brian and I are going to talk about what we saw at the D23 Expo last week. And it's going to be kind of a split thing in that I lucked into, and, and I want to stress this, by sheer dumb luck, uh, got into the Star Wars Lucasfilm presentation. Brian, because he's a kind, honorable person, did not get in. I tried
1: to get in, but I, I did get in, try to get in the right way. And I stood outside the door, and I was just mm-hmm. hoping there'd be one more chair for them to mm-hmm. let us in. But they didn't. I guess it was pretty full. People really wanted to see what was going on, and especially, I think, Marvel more so than Lucasfilm.
0: I agree. But what was kind of interesting is the way they structured the studio showcase is they they started off with Lucasfilm, and then they went to Marvel, and then the last portion of it was James Cameron uh, basically being beamed in from New Zealand where I guess they're finishing up shooting on Avatar, Avatar, excuse me, uh, (laughs) three or four. You know, the thing just, I just saw that they, they put the release date for four or five out for 2027. But anyway, well, we're going to talk about everything that we saw at the show during the news portion. And and as always, the news portion of Looking at Lucasfilm is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So, uh, Brian, why don't we pick up—I mean, we did get to do a lot of—we st- stuff. got to hang a lot at the show. We got to see a lot yeah. of stuff, wander to the floor— and one of the places we got into was the actual Lucasfilm Pavilion.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a setup with basically focusing on three hmm. movies, and that was Indiana Jones, hmm. Star Wars, and Willow. Yep. And with the uh, Star Wars, it just had basically the costumes from the TV shows and the movies, but with Indiana Jones. They had, of course, Indy's costume, but they also had Phoebe Bridger's. Phoebe, What is it? Phoebe Waller Bridger? There we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. It had her costume, and then it had two big concept art mm-hmm. paintings. Mm-hmm. And you and I went at it like the Zabruder film, and mm-hmm. we were focusing on and seeing what – and the, the, one painting showed – it was a, a giant hotel, and there was a lot of French signings, but there were also people dressed in like Moroccan type of clothes. So it could have been like a Casablanca, and the name of the hotel was um, the Atlantic in mm-hmm. French, La mm-hmm. And then, and the other painting was a temple scene, mm-hmm. and it had like Greek-type statues, and then the bottom looked like it was really waterlogged. Mm-hmm. So you and I came up with something that maybe this is about, maybe the city of Atlantis?
0: Again, we, 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 we pulled this info off of the costumes that were on display. The, these, And we, we were having some uh, discussion during uh, pre-gaming tonight whether or not Uh, The stuff that was hanging on the walls were production design or concept paintings. I think you pretty much nailed it, Brian, in stating that these were the kind of images you used to sell the film. Yeah. Convincing the folks at Disney, it's like, you're going to need to open the wall a little further. Again, I was in the room when they ran. I'm not going to say it's the Indiana Jones 5 trailer, but it was a, a set of clips that clearly set up the film that gave you a sense of the world and it starts with this off screen voice about i miss the days when i would get up you know it's like where is adventure going to take us next and and the thing is the camera eventually pulls back and it's sala it's john Rice davies oh, again cool. but you then get to see an older indiana jones who says you know those days are over my friend and they establish that you know this is an older indiana jones he's he's living in new york city he's deep in the stacks at, at some university, and it looks like his adventuring days are behind him. And then suddenly they're not. And this is set in 1969, because they show the ticker tape parade for Neil Armstrong and Buzz Altren and and James Lovell coming back from the moon. But again, in the middle of this ticker tape parade, you see Indiana Jones, who's commandeered a policeman's horse, and at one point, you see him down in the New York subway system riding on that horse. <laughs> what they seem to set up is that the Phoebe Bridger character, who we don't have a name of yet, is Indy's goddaughter. Well, we do have a name for her, Helena. Oh, that's right. That's right. Helena. Uh, and that evidently, that's what sets this story in motion, that that Indy gets sucked back into this world to help save whatever his goddaughter has got involved in. And we get to see him racing across the rooftop of a moving train and there's, there's races through the streets of, of what looks like uh, Mumbai and small vehicles. And when they finished showing the film clip, Harrison Ford and Phoebe Bridger came out on stage and, and James Mangold had just been there. The director and talking about how, you know, he actually named the cinema in upstate New York that he went to, you know, and saw Indiana Jones and and the original Raiders. And that's what convinced him, I have to make movies. And Ford, who you think is an old hand at this sort of thing, came out on stage and 7,500 people stood up and cheered. And he, he really got emotional, he really teared up. And he seemed very proud of this movie. It's like, we made a good one. But this is the last one. He literally told the audience, I am not falling down for you people again.
1: Now, I wasn't there, but I did get to, thank goodness for people with cameras and telephones, and I did get to see. And when that happened, I mean, I was really emotional. But Mm -hmm. also watching Phoebe Waller-Bridge and the way she held herself mm-hmm. and the way she came on there. And mm-hmm. she just looked like the perfect replacement or, or well,
0: now remember, you know, t-
1: replacement, but, um, what? what do they say to the crown?
0: Um, the next person up. Um, there we go. It's interesting uh, you say that, because remember, at the, at the ending uh, of The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, yeah. I actually loved that little moment in the wedding of Indy and Marion, where the door of the church blows open, and Indy's hat blows down the aisle, and Mutt almost picks almost it up. gets it up, yeah. You know, and, but his dad picks it up. He's like, not yet, kid. So you know, we, we've had that. Almost handoff before, and Phoebe would be a very interesting way to go. But yeah, I'm not willing to make that bet just yet. We're going to have to wait till to June of 2023. It's like what they call blue sky. There we go. But right after they finish up the presentation, and Harrison and Phoebe go off stage with James Mangold, and and likewise Kathleen Kennedy and Kevin Feige, uh, Michael Giacchino, uh, who the, the gentleman who's directing the Werewolf by Night holiday special. Come out on stage, and they clearly are overwhelmed themselves. It's like huge indie fans, and more to the point, how do we top that? But they plowed right in. But I, I'm sorry, we served dessert first. We should probably uh, get back up to the the top here and talk about what what Kathleen talked about at the event, and I guess she came out on stage wearing a, a fairly cool Darth Vader Stormtrooper. Well, she or? was
1: she was very casual, more so than I think that she was at the uh, Star Wars convention, but she mm-hmm. came out very casual and it was a very cool shirt. It was like a, a kind of t-shirt, but it it had uh, a Darth Vader mm-hmm. helmet and a Stormtrooper helmet mm-hmm. and it was repeated. Mm-hmm. And then she had white um, slacks on and she looked really good. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she introduced was Andor. And mm-hmm. whoa, is there anybody more enthusiastic than Diego Luna I think he is the happiest person in the world that he's back in the Star Wars universe. Mm
0: -hmm. And he's not just back as a performer in the Star Wars universe. He's also an executive producer and was already talking about, and we're about to go back to work on this second season of the show. And clearly proud they showed some very strong clips, which hopefully we'll, we'll get to see in context later tonight. And you were mentioning, I want to say, Genevieve O'Reilly was there, or... Uh... Yeah,
1: play, the one who plays Mon Martha. Um, mm-hmm. Kylie Soler, mm-hmm. she was there. And um, Adria Arjona, mm-hmm. she plays Bix. They mm-hmm. And they were... It was funny because Kathleen actually introduced her as Bix. And mm-hmm. She said, Bix. And mm-hmm. then she came... And, and the cast looks great. Mm-hmm. And it just... Like the... Um, reviews have been coming out it's just it's they're saying that it's something disney's never done before so i'm looking really looking forward to the three hours tonight there we go and there see go. what it's what what's going on i mean i don't know every star wars series so far i've been blown away by i mean yes bob effect got off to a slow start, but then it turned into a western mm-hmm. and uh, you know a tissue Mufui Western and how can you not love that?
0: I think Boba Fett ended in a good place and I would be intrigued to pick up with that character at some point in the future. And speaking of picking up with a character, uh Willow. Yeah. The Disney Plus series, which by the way, starts on November thirtieth of this year. Kathleen brought out the full cast there. I was not aware that Joanna Wally was going to be coming. Yeah,
1: back. well, she was. She was at the um, the other thing I saw at mm-hmm. Lucasfilm at 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 Star Wars. She she came out there, but mm-hmm. of course, the whole thing was, well, is Bill Kilmer ever going to play any kind of role? Mm-hmm. But we kind of know the answer to that now,
0: yeah, because
1: Warwick and you know said, well, he, we know that he's not going to be there. And he named his character. I can't think mm-hmm. of his character. But we have his best friend. Mm-hmm. And
0: out came Christian Slater. Who, I, I have to say, clearly seemed tickled to be yes. invited to be part of this. Seems to have jumped into the production fairly late. That's what it sounded
1: like, yeah. Like they were already filming for a long time and then he came in like near the end or anything. So maybe they were hoping they would get... I don't know. I'm not going to conjecture anything. I'm just glad that Christian's there cuz as you know, I got to hang out with him a lot when I mm-hmm. worked on gleaming the cube and mm-hmm. he is really one of the greatest, you know, really neatest people I've ever had any spend any kind of time with. And you could see it when he came on. He was just in a good mood. He mm-hmm. laughed, he, you know, and it looks like it, he may have he's going to add that swashbuckler um I think he's
0: going to add the comic relief, too. Well, here's hoping. But at the same time, I, I think he seemed happy that the rest of the cast had spent months in the Miserable cold and the wet of Wales. And <laughs> I came in for three weeks. And going All right, so that comes November 30th. Then we got information about the Bad Batch. And wasn't it originally supposed to be that we were going to get Star Wars Andor, and then like three weeks later. Yeah. We that match
1: to... was supposed to be out like at the end of September. Mm-hmm. I think the 31st of September mm-hmm. and then they pushed it back, but they didn't give a date, but mm-hmm. they did give a date. Um Filoni said it would be out January 4th, yes. 2023. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know what's funny about that? He mm-hmm. said it in such a way. I don't think anybody got it because mm-hmm. I've been reading reports about D twenty three, and everybody's saying, "Well, they haven't announced when Bad Batch is coming out." But mm-hmm. I, I heard him say it. I matter yeah. of fact, a few times mm-hmm. because I just I rewounded it. Okay. But yeah, and then of course he talked about Tales
0: of the Jedi, based on the material that was shared on stage. Really looking forward to this one. Yeah, Dave Filoni has this gift for finding little filigrees and corners of the Star Wars story that you wouldn't think that, okay, there's a great story there. And just teases these things out. And we get early, early Ahsoka, right?
1: Yeah. These are basically origin stories of both Mm -hmm. Ahsoka. There's going to be three about Ahsoka Mm -hmm. and three about Dooku. Mm. But in the Dooku one is um, Quinjan. Is it seems to I be a big part of that. that?
0: I saw that. Isn't a Qui Gon supposed Qui-Gon. to be Dooku's Padawan? Yes, is that what they're suggesting.
1: I think that's what we're we're gonna get that backstory. And okay. you know that it's gonna go on to a second season. And you know, and if it turns out to be backstories to a lot of people, mm. did you see the one quick shot of there was a Yoda looking creature? Or mm-hmm. a, a person with hair? Hmm. Did you
0: see that? I did. I did. I, so I, is that
1: Yoda with this like stylish
0: yeah. hairstyle? Or <laughs> I do not know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, given how many years it's been since I had hair, I get a good yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I, you know, but again, that but drops he, seemed, a- he seemed very happy talking
1: about it, and then he mm-hmm. talks about Ahsoka, and you could just see. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's Dave Filoni got mm-hmm. brought into you know George's world, mm-hmm. and he became George's Padawan, mm-hmm. and he is now a full fledged Jedi, and he even um, brought Fevreau into this mm-hmm. this whole thing, and he's really the spirit animal of George Lucas. I mean, he is the one who is holding the the torch and giving people
0: Lucas's vision, it seems like. Now, we're talking about the live-action Ahsoka, correct? Yeah, the
1: live-action Ahsoka. Okay. And they they announced casting mm-hmm. for, uh, like, who, who was going to play Ezra Bridger.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's new. In fact, they they didn't do that on stage. That was just no, no, past no. Week that back. I just
1: got. Um, um, mm-hmm. That just came out last week. The Eman Asfandi, mm-hmm. who was in King Richard, the Will Smith film, he mm-hmm. was just announced to play Ezra. So mm-hmm. at least we know that Ezra's going to be in it. Mm-hmm. But if Ezra's in it, then Thron has got to be in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've announced who um, Thron is going to be. I'm just hoping that Lars Mikkelsen. Who was the voice? Gets to play him.
0: Well, we'll see. I mean, but again, we don't have all we know on on live action Ahsoka's two thousand twenty three. Then we had Mister Favreau, John Favreau, come on stage and introduces uh, John Watts, the director of the most recent Spider Man trilogies, and we get our backstory. On where skeleton crew came from, that, that, that you know, John had this fully formed idea for a Star Wars uh, limited series. and Yeah,
1: um, when Favreau was working with Watts mm-hmm. on the Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. he played Happy. Mm-hmm. and he was talking to him and he goes listen we're doing this and this was even before it came mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. but he goes listen we're doing this thing on Star Wars it's going to be on Disney as uh, uh, streaming and would you like to come mm-hmm. and do one of the, and work with us and do one of the episodes or some episodes mm-hmm. and he goes oh no 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 he goes i already have mm-hmm. something set up i have a whole Star Wars story mm-hmm. set up and he started telling him about it and mm-hmm. of course that story is skeleton crew Mm -hmm. and watts came out and he he came out with chris ford who's Mm -hmm. the co-writer and they basically said you know it's about a group of kids Mm -hmm. that gets lost in the star wars galaxy and then they brought on jude law but they didn't tell any they didn't say anything else they didn't say who the kids were Mm -hmm. but they said they were filming Mm-hmm. That they, they, that a matter of fact that they were filming that day and they mm-hmm. got offset to come there and now they had to leave to go continue to work on it. But I did a little bit of deep diving and somewhere I read, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they said that the kids are younglings. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're younglings, this is after empire, not empire, uh, um, Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So were they going around trying to find the Force-sensitive people? Were they trying to get them? And are these kids that are Force-sensitive, and now you've got the remnants of the Empire trying to get them? Well,
0: again, all I can tell you is they, (laughs) they shared one piece of concept art, and it showed a rather nervous Jude Law, whatever character he's playing, And you remember when uh, C-3PO went up to Jabba's palace and that eyeball-on-a-stick security thing came out and and looked at him? Wherever Jude is in the shot, he has three of those things on him. So it's some sort of high security situation, and he's clearly not happy to be in it. So I guess we're going to have to wait to find out where that image plays into the storyline. Beyond that, of course, we also had news on season three of The Mandalorian and brought out the whole cast. Everyone was clearly excited to be back. But I think the highlight of that part of the Lucasfilm panel was Amy Sedaris, who talked about how you're on a set and you're trying to do the lines, but it's like you're gesturing Two props that aren't there, two characters that aren't there. And when you deviate from the script, they go, No, no, you can't say that there were no grandpas in, in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and in space. In space. You know, and it's just sort of like. Which, and she just has a way to
1: say it, too. Oh, yeah. She she and her brother, David mm-hmm. Sedaris, are mm-hmm. two of the greatest monologues oh, alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they know how to tell a story. They can tell a dramatic story and have you laughing and crying at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's the way she is. And she got up there and she just said that, I don't know what I'm doing. I have a mullet. I can't see because I can't have my contacts in because Mm -hmm. the sand keeps on going in my face they tell me that I'm funny. The only reason I'm funny is because I read the lines. Why do I read the lines? Cause I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's, whatever there was going. I just say what, and even if I try to improv, they keep on telling me, no, 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 Amy, that's not, there's nothing like that in space. Yeah. So she was just so good. And you could see everybody else and everybody else, including Dave Filoni, mm-hmm. he, Dave Filoni had his hand in his face mm-hmm. because they couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, and it was that... so wonderful to see um, the the other actors. They really, and even, um, who's the one that plays the other Mandalorian? Katie oh, Sokoloff. hmm you could really see, she said, I can't wait till we have some scenes together or mm-hmm. "Or I'm glad that we have some scenes together. Mm-hmm. And just seeing, watching her and Amy Sedaris and, mm-hmm. and or her and, and um, Emily um, Swallow and mm-hmm. how much they really, they looked like a great, and then of course, mm-hmm. Gina Carlo gets up there, mm-hmm. and he says one of the most amazing, mm-hmm. you know, speeches about what life is and what Star Wars is, and it was just remarkable. And I, 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 would love to be a fly on the wall on this thing. February,
0: right? Is that what we're hearing for 2023? Uh, when we're are finally going to get our our Mandalorian season three?
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember. I think I think it, it is supposed to be in the early. Uh, the first quarter,
0: 2023. Okay. So we talked about everything that was talked about on stage as part of the, the D23 studio showcase. Now let's talk about what wasn't talked about, in particularly Patty Jenkins' Star Wars Rogue Squadron film, which we had been hearing whispers about issues with that, right? I mean, some of it was scheduling. I, I think Ms. Jenkins... Plate is awfully full at the moment.
1: Yeah, last November mm-hmm. 20 um 21, she basically announced that because she was doing Wonder Woman two or three and also Cleopatra with mm-hmm. Gal gadot that she was um gonna step away. And that's what she said. She was stepping away from Rogue Squadron. And then we didn't hear anything about it, but it was still on the schedule. For what was it? For it was for 2024, right? Uh, I want to say 2023. Oh, okay, but, so yeah. but it was still in the schedule until last week mm-hmm. when it was very quietly mm-hmm. removed from the schedule.
0: Yeah, and what's weird is as recently as December of 2020, uh, you know, it, as part of the Disney Investor Day thing, Kathleen Kennedy announced with great excitement that they'd not only gotten. Patty Jenkins to commit They're doing a Star Wars film. They'd also gotten Taika Waititi, which, jumping back to June of this year, Taika Waititi talking about this movie. You know, he's talked about, I'm trying to write a Star Wars idea at the moment. I see how it goes, because once I submit it, well, that determines when it gets made, or even if it gets made. And I think you were just pointing out that... Uh, supposedly in August of this year, uh, that project entered development hell. Yeah. And, uh, about the same time we began hearing the same things about Rogue Squadron. Well, if this
1: happens, then we don't get a
0: film, a a Star Wars motion picture. When Mm -hmm. was the last one was. We kind of got two right on top of one another. We got May of 2018. We got Solo, a Star Wars story. And then December of 2019, oh we got rise of skywalker so
1: almost 3 years since there's been a star wars film in yeah. now when george was doing them he was releasing them every 3 years mm-hmm. but when disney was doing them they were, were releasing them every 2 years then every year mm-hmm. with um rogue one and and solo but
0: now we haven't had anything yeah but the first season of the mandalorian debuts november 2019 and with the huge, overwhelming success of that, not to mention what an amazing retail line Grogu became, right? this whole new avenue opened up for Lucasfilm. And it's worth noting at the very same Investors Day that Rogue Squadron and the Taika Waititi Project were announced. Kathleen also revealed that they had 10 Star Wars series in the works for Disney Plus, and we started off the show today talking about the amazing reviews that Star Wars Ender has just gotten, and now everybody's just raving about this. So if this is the path forward for Star Wars, that they do these, these limited series for Disney, and it's still the huge success that it always was from a pop culture point of view, is this necessarily a bad thing? Well, no, I mean, because
1: remember when, Mm -hmm. when uh, Lucas was done with the movies, Mm -hmm. then that's when he started doing the Clone Wars Mm -hmm. and that's when Dave Filoni started doing his cartoons Mm -hmm. and the books, the books Mm -hmm. were coming out. So there was something that was filling that up and I love going to a theater Mm -hmm. and I love being, you know, attacked by um, the Star Wars, everything, Mm -hmm. but There is so much joy in in watching these TV shows and also hearing about the making of them. I don't think there's been anyone that we didn't hear about that everybody is like going, this is the greatest experience I've ever had. This Mm -hmm. is the greatest cast I've ever worked with. I've never had more fun. And it's just so nice to hear things like that. Mm -hmm. Because when you heard about poor George and making his films, there there's not a lot of happy times. I mean, he had a lot of adversary when he was working on him, but he knew what he wanted. And I think he did the right thing, but this is a good way to take what George brought us and bring it to a next level. Not a better level, not a higher level, but the next level.
0: When Disney was building and developing star Wars galaxy's edge, there's a story about how initially they were supposed to, uh, the Imagineer spent a year designing Tatooine, uh, Mos Eisley, and you're going to get to go to the cantina and, and so on and so forth. And they bring it to Bob Iger and what Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy have decided at that point is like, you know, the future of star Wars isn't in exploiting its past. The future of star Wars is in taking us to new places. And so that's when they came up with the idea of Batuu right. and Black Spire Outpost and so on and so forth. But they also decided that they would tie Black Spire Outpost to the storyline of the new trilogy, uh, Ray and you know the, the, the like.
1: That wasn't a bad idea, but that's only if you kept on going with it. But see, the TV shows
0: took a step back. If you look at the TV shows, it's the John Favros, it's the Dave Filonis who are driving the bus. And these right are guys now, yeah. who, who love the old Star Wars, that sort of thing. So, of course, Dave specializes in doing things like Star Wars Rebels. We're finding that you know there really is some exciting story between the end of The Revenge of the, the Sith and New Hope. There's a really good story in there. We can find it. And so, to me, what's fascinating is the other announcement that came out of the D twenty three Expo, which is that starting in November, the Mandalorian and Grogu will be appearing in the Disneyland version of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Now, will they be? Will they be um,
1: uh, hanging out with with Boba Fett and um, Finnix Shan?
0: What they're going to do is. Boba Fett and Fennec Shen will be in one end of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, while Grogu and the Mandalorian will be in another end, so you can then get two separate queues. Okay. You can then okay. you know, add double the fun, so to speak. There is no plan yet for these characters to show up at the Walt Disney World version of uh, Galaxy's Edge, and my understanding is that maybe tied to Star Wars the galactic star cruiser yeah that's what i heard but we'll, we'll dig down into that and see what we can i, I heard think. it's because when the people on the
1: um galactic star cruiser they go to baku and then they have to do some quests yeah and if grogu was there mm-hmm. it, it may mess up the quest well in some again,
0: way. that you know they, my understanding is they have like Three hours, four hours of planet side to, to do their quests and if they're spending okay. two two hours of that standing in line to yeah. get their picture taken with Grogu that cuts into stuff that impacts what they can do back on the ship. but anyway
1: well it was um, D23 was great and it, I think they announced a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think they announced more stuff at D23 than they did at Star Wars celebration.
0: That reminds me, because of course our our good friend Dan Zayer, oh, Uh right. was at Star Wars Celebration, as were you, and you two got to meet up there. And I got to see Dan again at the show. In fact, I want to say we hung out at the Star Wars. Uh, no, no, he, we we went in together to the the parks panel.
1: Yeah, we were in the we were in line for a good what about forty five minutes, and we we I got to meet Dan again. I got to meet Drew. That mm. was. That was really cool for me. It was really weird for me because I was fanboying
0: Mm -hmm. and I was
1: trying to keep it in because all these guys were there. And
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, now this, this brings me to my special request. Dan, just this past year, published a brand new book. I am your father and has sold ridiculously well in the States. And we're all very proud for Dan, but it it turns out that you can hear from the the last name, Sayer. Dan has Germanic roots and Dan would love to have for his book collection at home a copy of the German edition of I Am Your Father. So I'm kind of hoping that there's a listener out there because I guess Dan's tried to to get it through Amazon and it has been unsuccessful. So I'm wondering if, if we have a very kind looking at Lucasfilm listener who's headed to Europe, particularly Germany, anytime soon, who might bop into a bookstore and pick up a copy of I Am Your Father there. And if you can get it to me, I will get it to Dan. And then we will have one happy author because he can then you know hold yet another edition of his book. By the way, Dan is also working on another project, which he wasn't at liberty to tell me about, but we, we will look forward to that as well. And, and, and speaking of looking forward, folks, okay, we're, we're going to stop here and pick up in a couple of hours after Brian and I have both managed to see all of the episodes <laughs> of uh, Star Wars Enders that debut in just a few hours. Both Brian and I have now seen the first three episodes that are available right now on Disney Plus for Star Wars Andor. But before we get to that, Brian, you had some news about Star Wars Acolyte.
1: Yeah, something that I'm very surprised they didn't announce at D23, because it was so far advanced. They have casting and everything. Mm -hmm. It's the Alkalite And... um, they just announced a new person, um, Charlie Bartlett, who was actually in Russian Doll, um, which was created by Leslie Headland, and then she's doing this. And he will be joining, of course, Amanda Stenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, Berg. She was Rue from The Hunter Games. Li Jae from Squid Games, which I think is brilliant casting, and I'm glad to see him do something else. Jodie Turner-Smith, she was in... Um, Queen and Slim, an independent uh, film from A twenty four, and Mandy Yacinto. He was mm-hmm. in the Good Place, and um, this sounds like a great cast. And I don't know much about it, but I heard it's going to be like a mystery mm-hmm. thriller that takes place in the final days of the High Republic. Okay, so it looks like it's something that well, it's it's one hundred percent in my wheelhouse, but I I think it will be in the Star Wars um Wheelhouse 2, which, now that we're going to talk mm-hmm. about Andor, is creating a new wheelhouse for Star Wars.
0: It, there was a lot of talk leading up to the debut of Star Wars Andor about how adult it would be. And what was kind of intriguing for these first three episodes is... We're very much in George Lucas's used future where we seem to be a distance away from the force, which also kind of intriguing because I think we were on the first half of today's show. We were talking about Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie that he wanted to make, and he wanted to make something that was not part of the Skywalker saga. So uh, maybe would involve the force, maybe would not. But I really enjoyed this. Well, when you when mm.
1: you say adult, basically it's really mm. heavy in drama. There's not mm. a lot of humor in it, which if you look at all mm. the Star Wars, there are humor, you know, to bring up the drama, but this was heavy drama. And it was described you know when it says what it's what it is, it was described as a science fiction spy espionage. Action, adventure. Okay. I
0: I could get from the setup. That's where they're headed. And certainly understanding that by the end of season two, this is supposed to click right into place with Rogue One, a Star Wars story. What was interesting here is it was kind of a lovely mix of establishing the world, the characters, and giving you just enough of the backstory on Cassian uh, or Cassa. In fact, I, I think the backstory of why he might be that much more compelled to throw in with a bunch of folks who are, are about to take on the Empire from we, what we saw happen to his own uh, planet. Uh, in fact, didn't they refer to it over the course of the show as there'd been a mining disaster?
1: Yeah, they said once an imperial mm-hmm. mining planet that there was an industrial accident and mm-hmm. everybody were killed except we know for mm-hmm. this little tribe of like um, Lord of the Flies type kids that that seem to, actually mm. not Lord of the Flies, they seem to be very mm. stable and mm. they know their place. And I mean, I would love to have seen more of that only because it was very interesting.
0: Kind of a mix between getting Cassian's backstory and obviously those two threads will come together given that when We first met Cassian. He was looking for his sister or so he said. Even then, wasn't entirely sure that's who he was going to find in that bar. You know, he was actually asking the hostess, did she use her name? And it's, you know, nobody uses their real names here. Oh,
1: see, I didn't see that. I thought he was really just, he -hmm. he heard, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. she was there. Maybe she was alive. So, uh, but but of course, we'll know more mm-hmm. about that quest.
0: Kathleen Kennedy from the stage at the D twenty three Expo said that these first three episodes, first of all, it it was I want to say an hour and forty minutes worth of material.
1: Well, actually, if you take off the credits, it's an hour and th- it's it's a hundred and three minutes because they were all. Um, between mm-hmm. thirty five minutes and uh, thirty eight minutes long, I I timed him mm-hmm. because I wanted to see exactly what kind of feature it was, and it was a you know it was one that would mm-hmm. play well in the theater, and it was you know the first arc I guess of mm-hmm. what we're going to get, and it introduced some amazing characters which I mm-hmm. hope we'll see more of. And, I mean, we've got the bad guy, we've got love interests i mean we have all the the tropes coming up
0: it's interesting you, you mentioned the bad guy uh, kyle solar i want to say uh yeah. as cyril Carn, the deputy inspector of pre-moral authority this is not the first order this is not the empire this is uh
1: this is not imperial this is a corporation
0: yeah and i get you know in fact it was interesting when they went planet side to try to capture Cassian. They. The folks on the planet, oof, haven't seen the blues in a while. So they were well known. But yeah, I mean, fairly early on, Cyril had been warned off by his his boss, the, the actual inspector at more Authority, to the effect that, okay, this was an accident. And basically told him as he headed off to a, a conference when I come back, I want to see the accident report. And they were doing something not too heroic, but just yeah. to make this go away. And he, yeah. he buried the he, needle in the opposite direction.
1: Opposite He wanted it to be a murder. Mm-hmm. And the inspector said it was, uh, they were killed in a fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were probably the cause of it. What Because he, he knew the one guy who was in, involved in it. So he knew that it was probably them mm-hmm. harassing somebody and they picked on the wrong person. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So we have, and he's been dealt quite a setback given what happened uh, planet side. Uh, and a, a lot of that was at the hand of uh, Stellan Skargar's uh, character, Lutheran
1: Lutheran um, Rail? Luthran. Luthran. Okay. Yeah.
0: And we don't necessarily know a whole lot about him at this point, but he seems quite capable and he seems to know a lot more about Cassian than certainly Cassian knows about him. That this is somebody that maybe they've had their eye on because of his skill set. And when this ended, uh, you know, they did a lovely sort of toggle back and forth from Casa being rescued. Is, is rescued the right word? What Marva did, she she sort of decided she almost needed ad- rescuing.
1: Almost, a, yeah, almost adopted mm-hmm. to the point of so he would not get mm-hmm. captured or killed. Yep, and um, by Marva mm-hmm. Andor, and that's where Andor comes in. Mm-hmm. She kind of she kind of like brings him into the family.
0: And so we get a sense of, of, of how he came to this world, how Marva took him off of the planet where the mining disaster had happened. But at the same time, I think our MacGuffin here is Cassian looking for his sister. And I wonder if that thread is going to play out
1: well that that is one of the MacGuffins and I think that's what's gonna go through mm-hmm. but it has to have a ending, mm-hmm. of course, because you know, Rogue One, mm-hmm. she is not part of it, neither is Bix. Mm-hmm. But um also the MacGuffin was the the N S nine mm-hmm. star path unit mm-hmm. because that got Luthan and Cassius together mm-hmm. to you know and then, you know, they didn't it, well I'm not going to say anything but
0: yeah what became fairly apparent is Luther thought the valuable thing was Cassian a, more to the effect right. of you know somebody with his set of skills somebody who knew how to walk into an imperial base and basically be invisible and walk out with this sort of component without getting caught that's a man with a set of skills. You know, particularly if you're planning a rebellion, you want to have in your corner. And, and that's, I guess, what's intriguing about Star Wars Andor is that these three episodes sort of laid out the chessboard and introduced us to a number of the pieces on the board and, you know, gave us a sense of early relationships, how the sorts of histories that certain people had. At the same time, we saw the stakes. James McCardle's character, Tim Carlo, yeah, paid a price.
1: No good deed goes unpunished. There we
0: go. There we go. But uh,
1: listening to you talk, something just came to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What if Luthen mm-hmm. knows about Cassian mm-hmm. because of his sister? Mm-hmm. What if he, you know, he says, "I know a lot about you." What if somehow the sister is going to play into this? I mean, it just came to me. I don't know if that's right or anything, but you, like you said, the MacGuffin is the sister. Mm-hmm. She's kind of important in this. Mm-hmm. But what if she's already part of this group that Luthien has put together?
0: I would not be surprised. I mean, I, I, I think one of the things I have enjoyed about the Star Wars projects to date is the folks there are very much into classic. Story construction, you, you, you know, face it. We we have not been spent three episodes sharing information about a Casa's sister and his quest for her to have that thread just play off into yeah. nothing that, that this is going to do factor in. But again, remember, we are three episodes into what will eventually be a story told in 24 episodes. So we're just an eighth of all the way around the track here. And it's especially going to be interesting to see how the back nine, so to speak, of uh, season one play out here. But got to also say that one of the things that genuinely impressed me about this set of shows is I had heard going in that Tony Gilroy, the the writer, creator of this thing, was very much into the more physical effects, the, the real sets and that sort of thing. And I want to say this one of the things that really stood out about this is this is the grittier used future this is clearly a planet where you know people work hard and just do straight by
1: but what they work on are basically they're putting together or they're taking apart Mm -hmm. the where starships go to die Mm -hmm. and to be stripped Mm -hmm. and that was kind of what Ray was doing. She was a scavenger, but this is like a planet, all of scavengers, it seems.
0: It's an intriguing world though, given that we just saw Luthen and Cassian effectively headed off of that planet. But at the same time, we've left Bix behind and and she's, she's suffered a loss. I I can't help but think we're going to, circle back to her part of the story oh like i said this is well she does know luthan
1: so maybe they do go back to her
0: could be could be but but again what i loved was after the blues had gone to marva's house to look for cassian and trashed the house and left the two soldiers there and they began to hear the sound of the rhythmic pounding going through the, oh. the community and and her you hear that you know that's what the start of a rebellion sounds like yeah Just, I, I, again, it was a a lovely bit of dialogue, uh, by Fiona Shaw, who, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you know, you've, you've known her for years as Mrs. Dursley, but loved seeing her here in a more sympathetic part and look forward to seeing what else she'll do with the show.
1: Well, I also love the line, which I kind of, you knew it was coming Mm -hmm. where she would say, yeah, but wait till they stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz isn't that from the the old Tarzan movies? Don't worry about the drums, just wait till they
0: stop. I think I do recall hearing that from at least one of the Johnny Weiss smaller movies. (laughs) Well, anyway, again, like I said, three episodes in good start. Uh, We have another nine to go for season one and season two is supposed to begin production fairly soon. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this story plays out. It already feels like a, a worthy companion to Rogue One, which I, I would argue is probably the best of the bunch of the, you know. Uh, and another thing,
1: mm-hmm. one, one more thing be, be, before we wrap it up mm-hmm. is, well, first of all, you, you could, there's no lightsabers, there's no Jedi, there's no stormtroopers, all there is is spaceships and blasters, mm-hmm. and um, it gives you the feel of mm-hmm. the start mm-hmm. of this, this whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at the same time, I, I think one of the things I enjoyed was that so often in Star Wars movies, you know, people randomly fire blasters and star troopers fall down and, or Stormtroopers yeah. fall down and, and that sort of thing. What well, was kind of interesting when one of the blues uh, shot at Tim and took him out, you actually got to, to, you know, because he wasn't wearing a Stormtrooper helmet you got to see the face of his right. superior and his face and realizing, oh, I screwed up. you know. And the, you know, the superior immediately, give me a rifle, get out of here, go to the ship. And, and I guess that's the other difference between the Blues and the Stormtroopers is the Blues is like, oh God, this is going to be paperwork. <laughs> anyway, all right. So that brings us to the end of this weirdly constructed episode of, of looking at Lucasfilm. I uh, hope you folks enjoyed it. Brian and I will be back in two weeks' time to pick up and, you know, chat about where the next two episodes of uh, Star Wars and- Andor took us. Likewise, um, share whatever other news is coming out of Lucasfilm. But in the meantime, Brian, where can folks find you online? On Twitter, I'm geekwithchildren,
1: and children is spelled C-H-I-L-D-R-N. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where you can find me. Um, I don't write a lot, but I, am if you need me, I'm there. Cool. Cool.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, as far as you can find us on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill media and over on Facebook is Jim Hill media news. Also, if you're looking for other stuff to listen to, we of course have our Disney dish that I do with Lentesta. We also have our animation news podcast, fine tuning uh, that I do with Drew Taylor. Uh, let's see. Uh, we also have marvelous disease. I do with Aaron Adams and let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, oh, oh. If you could do Brian and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple podcasts and rate and review looking at Lucasfilm, that would be very helpful. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here, uh, if you want to head into Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be cool as well. And I guess that's going to do it for now. Thanks for listening, and Brian and I will be back soon.